My name is Milian Mori and welcome to our podcast Warrior Family. We are a family of successful entrepreneurs, visioners, hustlers and leaders. We are compassionate, loving, fearless and determined. We fight for love, profits and a better world. And this podcast was made for future leaders, entrepreneurs, world changers and families all over the world. We gained our wealth by running one of the best network marketing companies in Europe and successfully coaching and speaking empire. Our stories, tips will show you that everything is possible. And this podcast includes all the best sales, marketing, relationship, personal growth, and health advice you can get and interviews with the most successful people in the world. Our motto is, my business is not my family. My family is my business. And we are here to show you how to have it all. Hello everybody, this is Warrior Family and I'm Similian Mori. Hi my friends, you are all here because you believe that you can create and live the life worth living. But in order to do this, we have to do something about this. And my purpose within this show is to bring you guests, their strategies, their habits, their belief systems, something that can make your life better. And today my guest is Christian Michelson, he is a leading authority on personal development and personal coaching and is the author of four number one best-selling books, including Get Clients Today. He is the owner of a multi-million dollar coaching business that has made the Inc. 5000 list of the fastest growing companies four years in a row. He is a happy father of three beautiful girls. Hello, Christian. Hey. Welcome to my show. Thank you. It's a big pleasure. I saw you a couple of times on different stages and I never had my crew with me to, <laughs> to do the interview with you. So let's start with the family. The Warrior family is all about the family. Great. Uh, you have three beautiful girls. They are how many years old? Uh, eight and a half, six, six, and three and a half. I thought you would start like eight and a half, ten. And a half. So yeah. So how is it to be a father? I love being a dad. Yeah. I love my girls. And when my oldest daughter was first born, mm -hmm. basically from right about then on till now, I've been working part time. So I switched up my hours so that I could stay home. Mm -hmm. My wife had a job originally. And she took maternity leave when my daughter mm -hmm. was born. And after three months or however long, two months, whatever it was, however long her maternity leave was, then my wife went back to work and I was supposed to take my three-month-old daughter to daycare and I just couldn't do it. Mm. And I just was like, all right, I'm going to find a way to like just work a little bit. And that helped me shape how I work in my business from that moment on. So I, I get to spend a lot of time with my kids. I'm sad. Like I know a lot of people. It's like, oh, thank God, my kids are back in school. I'm, I miss them. You know, I'm like, oh, you know, school doesn't last that long as they get out at two or two thirty or whatever, two thirty, I guess. Mm -hmm. So there's still plenty of time for us to hang out, but it's not as free to, you know, go swimming in the middle of the day or do whatever like we do during the summer. I like it. How did you restructure your business when you got your first daughter, first kid? So it's not about restructuring my business per se. It's really about so even before this, I had a, mm -hmm. a huge breakthrough around time. I'd say one of many strengths I have, I have a lot of weaknesses, but I have some good strengths. Mm -hmm. And one of my strengths is around time. And I had taken time management courses and stuff like that a long time ago, and I just could never get them to work. Because it just felt like I was trying to like take my 
natural way of being and then push it, like putting a round peg into a square hole or something, and it just wasn't fitting. That stuff didn't work, but eventually something happened. It clicked for me, and I just was got much more present and much more in the flow of things. And, of course, I also learned the whole 80-20 principle, mm-hmm. which is that 80% of our results come from 20% of our activities. Mm-hmm. So I just really started focusing. I mean... I do indoor rock climbing. I go to indoor rock climbing gyms as a way to exercise. And you can climb a route, and different routes are rated at different levels. Mm-hmm. And so you want to, you know, oftentimes I'll, I want to pick a, a route that's challenging for me. And sometimes I can climb it on the first, tie, tr- first try, and sometimes I have to really work at it over time to develop the strength, develop the skill, to be able to actually climb the route. But even if you can climb it on the first try, you aren't necessarily going to climb it super efficiently. You're going to waste a lot of energy trying to figure it out. You're going to be like holding yourself up on the rock wall while you're looking at the route and trying to figure out, well, should I grab this way? Where should I put my foot? So there's so much inefficiency in the climb that even by the time you get to the top, if you climb it with, you know, in just one try, especially at the rock gym where I climb where that's 55-foot high walls, um, you might be pretty wiped out, Right. But if you start figuring out, you could read the route in advance and start trying to figure it out even before you start climbing it. You get more experience. You get more. You start knowing what to do, and you can climb it way more efficiently. And you don't waste energy. You don't waste time. And I think most people, when it comes to growing business, growing their business, there's so much distraction. There's so many things going on. If you have a team. They're going to bring things to you, and there's going to be distraction, more things to distract you and take you out of your vision and focus. And, and so the more you can just really be super clear on the few things that make the big difference instead of doing a lot of things that don't make much difference, that's where small hinges turn, open big doors. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to be working 40, 50, 60, 80, 120 hours a week I know people who are making tons of money, but they don't have freedom and they don't have a great life. And I'm so grateful and blessed because not only do I have a business that's been growing like crazy, it's one of the fastest growing companies in America and for the last four years in a row, but I've been doing it while working part-time. And there's periods in my business where things get really intense and I'll work mm-hmm. for a week or two where I'll do like a full-time, you know, maybe work 30, 40 hours a week. Or I'll have a live event You know, where for three or four days, you know, I'm definitely working full time for those three or four days. But for the most part, I work about 20 hours a week. No. And yeah, and then even, uh, you know, take lots of vacations. So I'm either working, I'm either doing those intense live events, you know, where I'm working a lot, or a big product launch where I'm working a lot for maybe a week or two, or I'm working 20 hours a week, or I'm not working at all and I'm vacation. So it's, I don't really do much. I never work. I can't remember ever working 60 hours a week. I mean, I may have, before my, when my business was struggling, I was working 60 hours a week. I was working 80 <laughs> hours a week sometimes. But it's been a long time since, so, since any of that. So it is possible to work less and make more and as yes, a coach too. As a coach, as a business owner, yeah, for sure. I think no matter what kind of work you do, you could be work. I believe there's four types mm-hmm. of freedom. Yeah. Freedom number one is doing work that you love for a living. Mm-hmm. Whether you work for someone else or you have a, you know, whether you have your own business or you work for someone else, if you can do work you love, you never work a day in your life because you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And that is something so precious that I wish everybody would, you know, I wish that would be, that's something I wish on everybody. Find work you love. Second level of freedom 
is to do work you love, but do it for yourself. Because mm -hmm. then you get to be your own boss, you get to make your own decisions, call your own shots, and you have more freedom and flexibility. So that's the second level of freedom. Third level of freedom is to be able to do all that and make great money doing mm -hmm. it, right? So if you can do those three things, now you're onto something here. And then the fourth thing is to be able to do it as much or as little as you want. And that's a piece that very few people ever achieve because there's so much pressure to like keep things growing and all this stuff. I got to keep working. And one of the things I realized by coaching a lot of business owners mm -hmm. for the last 18 years is that when I would coach them and they'd be like, so like, how do I work less? How do I work less? Well, the, the secret to working less is to work less. You think it's got, I got to change this or I'll work less once I make more yeah, money or yeah. I'll work one, less once I get more these people hired or I'll work less once someday, someday when other things change. But for some reason, everybody stops working at a certain amount of time anyway, mm -hmm. whether it's 40 hours, 50 hours, 60 hours, whatever. But at some point, people are like, okay, that's enough. And now I'm going to go eat dinner, go home, whatever. Like, yeah. So at some point, people say that's enough, whether it's 60, 80, whatever. Why can't you make that be at 20? Yeah. Like, why can't you make that be at 15 or 10 or whatever it might be? Like, what is it? Now, before I had kids, I stopped working Fridays. Like, I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I worked mm -hmm. like a regular 40-hour week, but I stopped working Fridays for a long time or for a while because I was like, oh, I could take Fridays off. This is great. But eventually... Everybody I knew worked regular jobs. My best friends all had jobs. My girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, she had a job, you know. And so it was like, okay, Fridays. It was fun for a while taking Fridays off, but then I was like bored. So what am I going to do? Well, I love work for what I do. So then I ended up working, you know, on Fridays again. But at least I had the freedom and control that I could do it if I wanted to or not. But most people feel like there's too many things. There's fires that need to get put out. There's crises, there's something's going to break if I don't keep working. And that's a huge problem. But the first step is to just decide to work at the exact amount that you want. And you need something compelling outside of work to keep you from working more. <laughs> and the other thing is that a lot of people, while they're working, they're not really working. They're at work. Maybe they're at their office. Maybe they're in front of a computer. But what the hell are they doing? It's so easy to get distracted by social media. It's so, you know, it's like, if you get clear, if all anybody ever did mm -hmm. was get clear on the three most important things that they needed to do that day, mm -hmm. and they only did those three things every day, if that's all they did was do three things, the most important things. Now they need to be the most important things, not just do three anythings, you know? I checked my Facebook status, and I got three not, likes. Not important. That's not important, no. right? Reaching out, you know, to somebody who can introduce you to a big audience. That might be a good one of your, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a top three activity. Reaching out to prospects, making a sales call, mm -hmm. um, doing a webinar, doing an introductory coaching session. For so, depending on where you are in your mm -hmm. coach in your mm -hmm. business, those could be a top three thing. Mm -hmm. Hiring a key team member could be a top three thing. Uh, but you got to get clear on what those are. And even more than that. Even bigger picture than that is if you can start getting clear on the things that make the biggest difference to growing your business and the things that you're the best at and the things that you enjoy. There's, so there's three categories. Yeah. What's going to make the biggest difference in my business that I'm really good at that I love? If you can do something that – if you, and then the more you just focus on mm -hmm. those, the things that meet those three criteria. Can you repeat? Yeah. The things that make the biggest difference yeah. for growing the business – the things that you are really good at and that you really love. Mm -hmm. That's in your ultimate wheelhouse. If you could do things mm -hmm. that do all those, that's the best. Now, sometimes you might have to do things that are really important that you're not that good at, 
or that you don't even enjoy, but they're really important. You just got to do it. For years, for me, shooting videos. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just, it's, it's like, not that easy. I, it's no, I, look, it's, I put a lot of content out, but it, it's terrible. You know? I don't enjoy it. In you know? the studio. Oh. Yeah. I, I've gotten better. I've gotten more. I, like, I used to absolutely hate it. Now I kind of don't mind it. And every now and again, I might enjoy a little bit of it. But for the most part, it's not. But I, you know, like, it's so important. I need to do it, right? Yeah, so, course. you know, I do as little as and I can. And you have a lot of courses, man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, well, I love to teach. That's in my wheelhouse. Yeah. It's important, yeah. you know, okay. creating content, you know, helping, coaching, teaching is one of the things that's mm -hmm. important to do. It's, I'm good. I feel like I'm good at it. And I love it. So, zing, it, it fits in that criteria. The more you can move yourself, and it doesn't start, you know, where you're only doing those things that fit in all three. Sometimes mm -hmm. you have to do things you don't love or you're maybe not that good at. But as fast as you can, what you want to do is you want to start getting other people doing the things you're not great at and that you don't enjoy. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's high on the list or not, like, especially if it's not on the, on the, towards the top of the priority list for things that make the biggest difference, you want to get other people doing those things as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. Get other people doing anything that's important but not critical, not one of the things that really moves the needle for success. You can get other people doing that. And then you set yourself up where you get to do as much or as little work you want. You're only doing work you love. You're doing work that really matters, that moves the needle for making more money and growing the business. Um, and then you work as much or as little as you want. It's not about hours and effort that, that uh, leads to success mm -hmm. when you're a business owner. It's about decisions you know, deciding who to hire. It's about decisions, deciding what strategy to take. It's a lot more big picture thinking for business owners. And I spend a lot of time, of my 20 hours a week, some of it is just sitting around thinking, just, you know, walking around. Not feeling guilty. <laughs> no, yeah. Let I rarely ever feel guilty that I'm not doing more work. I mean, that doesn't even come into my I mean, that really will ever come into my space. I mean, I feel a drive to accomplish things every day. I feel like I want to accomplish something every day, but I don't, have, I don't feel like a drive to work a ton every day. And I don't feel like I need to set the tone at my company that, hey, I'm going to work 80 hours a week so that everybody else in the company works 80 hours a week. I want everybody on my team working as much or as little as they want. Right? I don't just want this lifestyle for me. I want it for them too. And I, I think the more that we can all be doing the things that we're the best at and that we really enjoy... We call it, and on my team, and in my classes, I teach, I call it the cake and the cringe. What's the stuff that's cake for you? You just love it. You would do it every day. It's a piece of cake. You enjoy it. It's, it feels easy for you. Maybe it feels challenging sometimes, but it's like, you know, it's something that you're, that's in your wheelhouse versus the cringe. The things you're like, oh, God, I don't want to do that. I dread that. I don't look forward to that. It's like, ah, uh, something I have to do. The more you can be doing the things you love doing and having other people doing the things you don't love doing, but then the people you get that you hire, you want them mm -hmm. to love the things that you don't love. You want them, you want your cringe to be someone else's cake, right? There's the old phrase, uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure. So there's things that I used to beat myself up so much thinking I should just be able to do, I should get myself to do all these things that I hate to do. If I would just get myself, why can't I do these things? I can't get myself to do all this stuff I hate doing, you know, and I used to beat myself up so much. And this was one of the big breakthroughs for me is I just surrendered and let all that go. Mm -hmm. Stop beating myself up. I'm like, look, I'm good at this. I'm not good at that. I like this. I don't like that. I'm hiring other people. I started hiring more people. And I started growing a team and then eventually started, you know, learning more about building teams mm -hmm. and 
hiring great people and developing great people and turning my team into a biz, a team that can build the, my business for me. So they're the ones growing the business. You know, I'm making little contributions or big contributions, but not necessarily time contributions. You know, in specific strategic mm-hmm. places, but I'm not. To, I'm letting them make a lot of the big decisions. You know, the more you can train your team to think for themselves and make decisions for themselves, the less they're going to constantly be coming to you. What should we do? What should we do? What should we do? They'll be coming to you saying, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Or here's what I think we should do. Mm-hmm. You know, at the very least, mm-hmm. don't come to me with a question. Come to me with a, with solution. a solution. Come, here, here's what's happening. Here's what we should do. Here's what I think we should do. Or here's what's happening and here's what we did. You know, or here's what's happening and here's what we're about to do. And mm-hmm. unless you say otherwise, you know, we're going to go ahead with this. Great, so, great. Warrior Productivity Strategies is a free ebook you can download at www.warriorfamily.com. It will help you be productive, focused, and motivated. You will achieve great success in a short amount of time. You brought up so many topics we could talk for a couple of hours. Absolutely. But let's think about it that we have different audience. We have somebody maybe considering of becoming a coach. We have somebody that is broken, overworked, and underpaid coach. Sure. Yeah. We I have was somebody. One of those. We have somebody that is in the phase that must start to hire some other people to do the work for him. Yeah. What would you do to get to where you are in half time or even yeah. faster? Oh gosh, I could get here so much faster. I what get would here you do? So much faster. Well, I would start off kind of like I would do everything that I did before. I would do so much of what I did to get here, and it's the same advice I'm going to give to everybody mm-hmm. in a second. But I would just do it more efficiently. I would do it better. I would do it with more skill. I'd do it with more focus. You know, so it's so easy to get distracted. But when it comes to getting clients, I would really focus on getting clients because clients and money is the lifeblood of your business, right? If you want to be able to hire someone, if you want to be able to invest in marketing or Mm -hmm. Facebook ads or whatever, right? If you want to be able to do that, you need revenue. And the revenue comes in from clients. And clients, you can charge a lot of money to help clients make Mm -hmm. big changes. Clients pay big money for big changes. So if you coach people to lose weight, coach people to find love, coach people to grow a business, start a business, change careers, parenting coach, whatever it is, right? It's If you help clients achieve big results, they will pay you big money. And so it's a, a matter of mm-hmm. getting clear on a niche market, on a group of people to focus on so that you can speak their language and attract them. And then the three-step process for getting clients is people hear about you. They have an introductory coaching session with you, and they hire you. Mm-hmm. So you want to be able to find the people who need the kind of help you want to provide. Pick a group. Maybe it's business owners, whatever it is, right? Pick that group, and then you start talking to them. You have to start speaking their language. Well, if it's business owners, what, are the, what is the thing they want? Well, they want to they help growing their business, right? What can you do to help them grow their business, mm-hmm. you know? If, or if it's somebody who helps somebody lose weight, what do they want? They want to get finally thin forever, right? They want to mm-hmm. lose all the weight, keep it off forever. Or if you're going to help somebody find a relationship, what do they want to do? Well, they want to find their soulmate, right? So start speaking their language, mm-hmm. attract them to you. And in my book, Get Clients Today, I teach people those, the three-step process that yep. I just laid out. And I teach people how to then move people from hearing about you. Like, well, first of all, I share all these seven different ways where you can get in front of a lot of people, get a lot of exposure, you know, from Facebook ads to networking to public speaking to... Uh, joint ventures, podcasting, podcasting, all that stuff, right? So yeah. we talk about that. And then 
once people hear about you, how do you get those people to actually want to talk to you and have a session with you so that you could sign them up for coaching? What, what I teach in the book is to create a red-hot free session offer. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people will offer a, a no-obligation coaching session or consultation, but as soon as you say no obligation, no obligation. <laughs> people think obligation, they feel like, oh, they're going to sell me. So mm -hmm. what I teach instead is to make a red-hot free session offer. So if you're a dating coach for women, you could offer a find your soulmate now coaching session where you'll work together to create a crystal mm -hmm. clear vision for the kind of man you'd like to attract and the kind of relationship you'd like to have together. Some special name. Yeah, special name. Find your soulmate now, right? You'll help them uncover hidden challenges that could be sabotaging their success with men in dating and they'll leave the session renewed, re-energized and inspired mm -hmm. to finally attract the man of their dreams once and for all. Now you make an offer like that to, you know, uh, either on a either right on social mm -hmm. media, right on the podcast, or you get people on your email list first, and then once they're on your list, mm -hmm. then you could make the offer for the free session either way. Then once you're in the free session, then what do you, you need to figure out what to do to get them to go to step three. So step one is they hear about you. Step two is they have a session with you. Mm -hmm. Step three is they hire you. What do you, you got to move people from hearing you, hearing from you to having a session with you, yeah. which I have all those templates on how mm -hmm. to... In the um, words, in the free sessions that sell, course. In the book that we're giving ah, everybody. GetClientsTodayBook.com. GetClientsTodayBook.com. It has the templates for these fre mm. Red Hot Free Session offers. It's an outline for exactly how to create one for yourself, no matter what niche you're in. But I actually pre-wrote 10 different intro sessions for all mm -hmm. these different niche markets. Mm -hmm. Weight loss, dating for men, dating for women, couples, business mm. coaching, sales coaching, career coaching. Wow. All sorts of just even personal growth coaching, all those that people can just take and use, and they're mm -hmm. all in the book, along with all the stuff I'm sharing with you that wow. uh, about how to get clients. So I recommend everybody get it. I'm happy to give it to all your Thank you. your viewers and listeners at getclientstodaybook.com. They can get it for free. And then how to actually do the session? Yeah, that's my program, free sessions mm -hmm. that sell that mm -hmm. teaches people how to actually have a session with a prospective client, so that at the end of the session, they're going, "Here you go. Here's my credit card. Here, you know." Sign up for, here's $10,000, I want to work with you. You know, here's mm -hmm. 5000 10000 25000 I started off charging $195 a month 18 years ago when I got started as a coach. And now clients pay $100,000 to work with me for a single day. A year. A for day. a day. A, a day. day. For a single day. It's incredible. Yeah. One of my $100,000 clients is actually... How much does the, the belief system and the mindset has to do with the... Everything. Prices that you... So much. So much you got. I see this every day. Pricing and is confidence and mindset is huge because, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a better coach than I was when I was charging fifty thousand a year, like for a whole year of weekly coaching sessions. Mm -hmm. I'm a better coach than I was. You know, that was probably four years ago that I was mm -hmm. charging that. Maybe five years ago, whatever. I'm a better coach than I was then. I don't know if I'm a ten times better coach than I was then. You know, I'm probably maybe a two or three times better coach. Okay. Maybe not a ten yeah. or twenty but like, you're charging like <laughs> yeah. a couple of thousands. Way, more. way more. Right. So a lot of it is mindset, it's belief, it's confidence, it's certainty really more than confidence. Like I feel certain that if I'm gonna help if somebody has spends a day with me, I feel absolutely certain we can crush it together during that day. And I recommend actually, and so far everybody follows my recommendation that we split it into two half days recommend it for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm used to only working half a day, so a full day feels like a lot for me. Yeah. But also because we can make so much progress so quickly, yeah. um, it's better. So I recommend people, we split into two half days. So I'll do, 
half day, and then they'll come back maybe three, four, five, six months later, and then do their second half day. And this way, we can make a lot of you know, progress for those three and a half hours, three hours, 15 minutes. Then they can go off, implement a lot of the stuff, and then they come back, take a look at what they're doing, refine it, do another half day, and, and crush it even more. How do you develop this confidence that you are worth way more than you charge? It's not about being worth anything. It's not, you know, people say charge what you're worth, and so yeah. that's a phrase I, that gets thrown around mm-hmm. a lot. Nope, you know, we're all worthless and we're all priceless. Like, there's mm-hmm. no, it's not about me. It's not about me, really. It's about two things. It's, mm-hmm. it's about what results do my clients want? You know, if I can help my clients make an extra $100,000 a year, right? They pay me 100000 I can help them make 100000 more per year. Maybe it's break even in year one, and then every year after that, they're making an extra 100000 assuming they only make 100000 more and stay steady and don't keep yeah. growing from there. If I can help my clients make an extra 200000 500000 an extra million dollars, either this year or over time, or millions of dollars over time. And I know the things that I've, I mean, I've, what I know has helped me grow my business to over $5 million a year last year and on pace for even more this year. And so I know it works for me, and I work part-time. Right, and if somebody else wants to work full time, I just I've been around this. I've been doing this for so long, and I've been helping other coaches grow their business for so long. I know that like my program, free sessions that sell, has we have. You got to see me on stage earlier today, and on my PowerPoint, I shared a couple of testimonials that people are yeah, having yeah, success. Yeah. And you know, we have. Uh, I use Slack for my team. I don't know if yeah, it's yeah, a software. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but yeah, other people have. But like, we have a Slack channel with testimonials where people just, where we capture uh-huh. inside our Facebook group, everybody, like all these success stories. And, Amazing. you know, I just enrolled my first, there's somebody, I just enrolled yeah. my first $1,000 per month client. Yeah. Thank you. Paid in full $1,000 a month. So um, there's just so many success stories. But look, yeah. I mean, I yeah. could go, yeah. I could on scroll and, and scroll oh, and scroll Testimony. and scroll and I'm not going to run out of scrolling. I mean, we're going to, because there's just, and this is real people just posting in our Facebook group. This is not, you know, this isn't stuff that we like ha- ask people to write or anything like that. And the reason, so I have so much certainty because I've been doing this for 18 years. I've been helping other coaches for about, I don't know what it's been, 14, 15 years. And uh, I know that all the things that I had to struggle with in the early days, I mean, I started off charging $195 a month on a month-to-month deal so that there's no long-term commitment, and then eventually now $100,000 a year. But I've all the things that I had to learn through the trial of hard knocks, mm-hmm. the school, school of hard knocks, the trial and error, all that stuff, I can share with other coaches. And they get success. Way, it took me like f- over four years to grow my business to $100,000 a year. Four years? Over four, four, four to four and a half years so to get my business then? from zero to $100,000 a year. The first five coaches that hired me, I was able to help four out of five of them grow their business to over $100,000 mm-hmm. within 18 months, and one of them did it in 72 days. Because all those things I had to figure out, you know, a lot of it was mindset, mm-hmm. but a lot of it was strategy and tactics and all sorts of things, you know. And, and team, I, probably. What's that? And team. And team. Some Well, actually, I didn't even have much of a team when I got to 100000 I may have had one VA, one virtual assistant. Mm-hmm. That was about it back then. So, like, which are the marks? Like, first 100K and then 250? How? Yeah, so I went from... The levels. Yeah, I went... Uh, my business went... When I finally got to 100,000, I did 100,000. 
I think I did like a hundred thousand, then maybe like a hundred and twenty something mm-hmm. thousand the next year, then like two forty, then two sixty. Okay. So I had like another two close. years that were okay. pretty close. Yeah. Then I went up to half a million, then to a quarter to seven fifty, then to a million, then a million point two, I think. Mm-hmm. Now one point three million, I think. Yeah, so one point three. Then I had a huge jump up to three point two, oh. three point nine. 4.5, 4.4, and 5.1 last year, and then this year we'll see what happens. But we're so. What did you do differently point. with this big jump from big one jump. point? I had to. So you know, in the early days, one of my big struggles was being able to do introductory coaching sessions yeah. and figure out how to what to say and do during a session that makes me feel like I sleep well at night. You know, nope, I'm, where I'm not putting pressure not on the sleazy, prospect. Pushy. No sleazy, no pushy. None of that stuff, just very, like, I'm to be able to just coach them towards signing up if it's what's mm-hmm. best for them, which ultimately it ends up being 99% of the time. And But to turn that coaching process into an, uh, an enrollment or a sign-up system, that cracking that code was really okay. huge for me. And also working through the mindset and all kinds of stuff, money mindset, that was huge in the early days. Then the thing that took me from... 1.3 to 3.2 year over year mm-hmm. was finally letting go of another big hang-up I had. This was about making offers from stage. Okay. So I had all sorts of anxiety about making offers from stage. I was so I would get so stressed about it, I wouldn't want to do it. Sometimes I would do okay, sometimes I would crash and burn. One time I felt like I completely <laughs> failed. And afterwards I was like, I went to a break and we were coming back from break and I was just in this horrible space and I was like, I don't know if I should try to pump myself back up. I'm like, that doesn't feel authentic. I'm just going to go back up on stage and be myself. I ended up breaking down and crying on stage in front of everybody I did. And then I didn't do another live event for 18 months because I was just like, no. oh my God, I can't do this anymore. So you literally finished the sales pitch? Well, I did the sales pitch. We went to a break. We came back after break and I was just like in this horrible, I just felt like, oh my God. I felt like I failed in front of everybody and everybody could see that I failed. And here I am trying to be, you know, a successful, an image, a role model of success. And, you know, even though I'd had all these other kind of successes, you know, I'd had my first million dollar launch right before then. I had my biggest live event that I ever had, which was, you know, at the time was a little over 100 people. And here we had a little over 100 people in the room. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm making this offer. And now I just felt like everybody saw me fail publicly, which, you know, a lot of people, they wouldn't even necessarily know. But that's how I felt. And I, yeah, I just ended up breaking down, crying on stage. I just felt like I was never going to be good enough no matter how big my launches were, no matter how many people were in the room. It was a good healing moment for me, but I still hadn't gotten over the whole, like that didn't get me over it. That was basically, that was like my low point, you know? Mm -hmm. And I got to where I was like, maybe I should, I love leading live events. I love teaching. But I was like, you know, I'm losing money on them, right? Or breaking even because, you know, it yeah, takes a lot of money to yeah, cost to a lot of money. Hotel, get the people there, you know, AV team and all that stuff. I invest so much money and then break even or maybe come uh, a little ahead or a little below. And I love it. But I was like, ah, maybe I just can't do it. Maybe I shouldn't do them anymore. So for 18 months, I didn't do any anyway. live events. And then finally, I, the first live event I was going to do after that, there, I was... I did a launch that didn't go well, which the launch is filled with live events. So now I'm like, oh my gosh, there's not going to be very many people coming to the live event, which I felt like that would be embarrassing to here I am this big guru and nobody's at my event. And then because <laughs> I felt like there wasn't going to be anybody there and I was afraid that I was going to make an offer and I have to sell and I was going to like all that oh. stuff. So then I'm like, well, shoot, I don't even want to promote the event because I just, <laughs> I'm going to just cancel it. And up with like 38 people in the room. 
Finally, I'm like, they're starting, all right, whatever, I'm going to do it, do the best I can. And this was the first time that I ever made an offer for my ultra-high-end mastermind, which at the time was 58500 now it's 75000 And so I made this offer for the first time from stage at this event, which I was like, but I ended up, I was working on my stuff, healing myself, doing all this stuff to work through my fears, and I didn't get over it, but I was like, here I, here's, I had the PowerPoint for the offer, I'm like, here it is, don't hate me, check it out, you know, click, 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 and I ended up having 12 out of the 38 people apply for my $58,000 program, end up actually having four of those people end up coming to the program between people that I accepted and Mm -hmm. people who ended up, you know, not being able to, whatever, flaking out or whatever. But four, and that was a start. Four people at 58,500 in my mastermind that started. Now I have, now it's $75,000 mastermind and we have around 60 something people Mm -hmm. in that mastermind, which that obviously adds up. So that helps. And so that was a big shift. So when I finally, as I started healing my stuff about making offers from stage and getting more comfortable with it, that was a big breakthrough that helped me jump from 1.3 to 3.2 year over year. So whatever, you can be a great coach, great skills or the certification, but if you don't know how to. If you don't know how to sign the clients up and nobody's born knowing how. I mean, maybe somebody is. I, I wasn't. I see coaches all the time. I wasn't born knowing. Yeah. I'm so good. I have 10 certifications and I don't have clients. Right. It doesn't need to do anything with the knowledge that you have. You it's know, so sad. We can all help clients. But yes. if you don't have a client, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, you have to sell. You have to. Yeah. And it feels like, you know, especially the beginning, it felt like such a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to have to do this, but I have to because that's how I got to get the clients. And like, oh, and I would do, start off just doing sample sessions. I would, you know, try just coach them for free for a half hour, hour, two hours mm-hmm. sometimes at the end, like hoping they would say, well, tell me more. Like, how do I hire you or whatever? And uh, yeah, it was, it was rough. It was rough in those early days. And then I've like, you know, people say, well, you got to ask for the sale. I'm like, well, I don't know how to ask or what do I say? And they talk about the money. It all felt weird. And, but eventually I just kept doing it over and over, trying this, try that, try this, try that, try this, try that. And eventually just developed a system where there's no pressure to sell, to, mm-hmm. for you to buy. Like if, I'm, if I was having a session with you, there's absolutely zero pressure. I don't want you to buy. I'm not trying to make a sale. I'm trying to get you help that I know that mm-hmm. I can offer. I want you to invest in the coaching for your own sake, for what it can do for you not because, because I'm going to get paid. You know, getting the money, I love it. Love making money. Love, you know, growing my business. But, you know, any one client, an extra $100,000, I know it may seem like a lot of money, but, you know, for a business that did, one, that did 5.1 million last year, if I had one less one-on-one client, we did 5 million instead of 5.1, yip de do. Yeah, I mean, it's not, deal, yeah. it's not like life-changing for me to get a client. Mm-hmm. Even at a hundred thousand, which is crazy, but uh, it was life changing for me back in the day. In the early days, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make my car payment or my house payment. I like need a client just to pay my bills. So that's what, a tough place changed? to be in. What changed since you couldn't pay the bills and now you are charging a hundred k a day? Yeah, so much of it is inner work. Over ninety percent of success is the inner work, and I developed and yeah. discovered some techniques to help me work through my stuff, my fears, my doubts, my limiting beliefs, my insecurities. And now, you know, it's just in a much cleaner space on the inside. When you don't have insecurities, when you're not saying I don't have any, but the ones about charging fees, the ones about how good of a coach I am, like those are gone. Those have been Mm -hmm. gone for years. I mean, maybe I could get in some situation if I was going to coach Oprah or Tony Robbins or something, like maybe then I'd feel a little butterflies or something. But Ultimately, I have so much certainty and confidence in what I can do. It's, it's not, 
again, it's certainty because I just, I've been doing this for so long, mm -hmm. you know, and I see the results people get. And if you're brand new and you don't have that certainty or confidence, then borrow mine. You know, that's one of the things that by, you know, if people mm -hmm. end up getting one of my programs, like if you follow my system, you coach people the way I teach people to coach, yep. they're your clients will get results, you know, and you can sign up clients and, and feel confident that you're going to be able to help them. And ultimately, just the container of coaching, the environment that coaching creates where you're just talking to somebody, even at the bare minimum, lowest level of coaching anyone can do is just hold space, mm -hmm. find out what's going on with just being a good listener, holding space, having people tell you what their goals are, what they need to do this mm -hmm. week, what their challenges are, you know, and how they did, you know, from last week to this week. Just holding that space, even if you don't give any advice per se, maybe you don't know the perfect questions to ask, but you just hold that space where people can keep focused on their goals every mm -hmm. week for month, week in, one, week out, month in, month out, over six months or a year. Just that alone is very valuable for people. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things I think a lot of coaches don't understand. You don't have to create the value. The coaching creates the value in and of itself to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And then if you have skills, if you have experience, if you have knowledge, then those are things that can add to the value of the coaching mm -hmm. that you can provide. And so just even having confidence in that and just letting go of the need to be perfect. I felt like I've got to, you know, I used to, in the early days, I felt like, oh my God, I got to be, I also have to be rich, famous, you know, in a perfect, in a relationship, in fantastic shape. I got to be like this perfect human being in order for me to be worthy of coaching clients and worthy of people hiring yeah. me. I mean, it was such a way too much, way too big of, uh, of shoes to fill or ex way too high of expectations for any human being. Mm -hmm to be perfect and have it all figured out. Nobody does. I still don't have it all figured out. I still have challenges arise in my life and my business and in my family and my health sometimes. You never know, right? But it's not about not having challenges. It's about how quickly mm -hmm. you can resolve those challenges, mm -hmm. both internally and externally. And one of the things I mentioned uh, when I spoke earlier today is that I yeah. believe that success is inevitable. Whatever you decide to have, whatever goal yeah. you set, you can have it. Success is inevitable if you're willing to do the work. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to do the work in the world, right? Sometimes it's going to be doing things that are scary, and sometimes you got to. But you got to show up, and you got to do those things that that matter most. If you're willing to take action in the world consistently, and you work on yourself consistently, mm -hmm. then success is inevitable. The only mystery is time. You never know how long it's going to take. You know, I remember hearing, you know, you don't want to hope to be a millionaire. You don't want to dream to be a millionaire. You want to decide to be a mil millionaire. And I was like, yeah, great advice. I'm going to decide. You know, and maybe I'll be a millionaire this year. No, the year went by, I didn't become a millionaire. Five years went by, I still didn't become a millionaire. Probably took 10 years from then or maybe longer before I became a millionaire. But those years were going to go by no matter what. So success is inevitable. It's, time is the mystery. Mm -hmm. But failure is also inevitable. Mm -hmm. Failure is the process of succeeding. Failures are the, br are the bricks that pave the way to success. You don't just, nobody is born having it all figured out. Nobody's born... I wasn't born being a great marketer, being great at signing up clients, you know, even being great at coaching. I definitely had an innate ability to like be a good listener, be a good friend, ask good questions, be helpful. Mm -hmm. And I've been into personal growth since I was 12 years old. Wow. So I started reading, you know, great personal growth books when I was Who 12. Who introduced you to the personal development? One of my older brother's best friends. Mm -hmm. My parents got divorced. My two older brothers moved out of the state. And I was walking down the street one day and he saw me and it was like, hey, you know, and he started talking to me. I was probably like 
11 or 12, and he handed me, one of the first books was Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman. That's a yeah. fantastic book. I bought this book maybe a few weeks ago. Oh, great. <laughs> Such a good book. I've read gazillions of books mm -hmm. on personal growth, business Any growth. other book that you can recommend? I would recommend Letting Go by Letting David go. Hawkins. Mm -hmm. Letting Go is one of the top personal growth books. Another one is uh, The Four Agreements mm -hmm. by Don Miguel Ruiz. Fantastic book, very powerful. And his other book is uh, The Mastery of Love, which mm -hmm. I like even more. And A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. Those are all, like, when people sign up for my mastermind, I ship yeah. them a bunch of all those books I just mentioned, mm -hmm. plus others. And I would also recommend my other personal growth book, which is Abundance Unleashed, mm -hmm. which was published by Hay House. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very great book, Abundance Mindset. You know, having grown up on food stamps and welfare to then now become, you know, from welfare to multimillionaire, that's the story. That's what that book's about, the story, how that happened, plus the mindsets that I have now of extreme abundance. I have extreme time abundance, love abundance, money abundance, health abundance, Happiness, abundance, you know, you want to have, be abundant in every area of your life, and that's what that book's about. Can you share something personal from the time that you were on the food stand? Yeah. How, it, how did it feel? And... Yeah, so actually, um, one day I went to school, I was wearing hand-me-down clothes, from second-hand clothes from my brothers that are mm -hmm. eight and nine years older than I am. So my first brother would get it, wear it, and he'd grow out of it. My second brother, second oldest brother would wear it, rough mm -hmm. it up, whatever. And then my mom would put it up in the attic and then bring it back out eight years after that. So I'd be wearing clothes that were almost a decade out of style. I was wearing bell-bottom jeans in the 80s, which weren't cool back then. So you got these big mm -hmm. flared-out jeans, and that was really cool in the 60s and somewhat yeah. in the 70s. So I remember I was wearing those jeans to school one day, and I was lining up. We were all going over, stand over by the door for recess, and one of the most popular kids from school started walking over to me to talk to me. And, I, and in my mind, you know, your, your mind just like thinks mm -hmm. thoughts in like millisecond. My mind was like, oh, maybe he's going to like talk to me and want to be friends with me. And, and then if he does, then everybody else is going to think I'm cool because he's cool. And if he's talking to me, like all that happened in like, you know, half a second, right, mm -hmm. as he's walking mm -hmm. over to me. And instead of like talking to me and wanting to be friends with me, he looks down at my bell-bottom jeans and he pushes his foot against the bottom of the jeans to, and he goes ding dong and he rings the bell on my jeans and everybody laughed and I just like shrunk up and I wanted to cry and the bell wouldn't ring fast enough the actual bell for going to recess yes. <laughs> wouldn't ring fast enough and finally it rang and then I went and, you know everybody else went out to recess and I asked I went inside to go to the bathroom because I was like I can't I only want to see everybody I just felt so ashamed and so embarrassed for being poor and then a couple days after that this uh, this kid in school, uh, his name was Ron. So the first kid's name was Everett that rang my jeans. And then this other kid, Ron, got these brand new markers that smelled with all these, like the red ones would smell like strawberry, the green one, I don't know what the heck that smelled, purple would smell like grape. And this was a new marker breakthrough technology back in the day. And so everybody wanted to borrow his markers and smell them and use them. And so everybody was like, oh, can I borrow your markers? I'll be your best friend. He's got like 12 markers. He's letting these different people borrow them. And he's like the coolest guy in school now because everybody wants to borrow his markers. And I just was like, oh my God, my parents could afford markers, which they probably maybe could buy. They probably could have bought, you know, three, five dollars for some markers. But I wouldn't even have thought to ask because I felt like we couldn't afford it. So I wouldn't even want to ask. And so in my mind, I had linked up that you're cool if you have money and you're, you're worthless if you don't. Mm. Now, the truth is, Kids are going to tease kids for anything. 
You could get teased for being rich. You could get teased for being poor. You could get teased for being tall. You could get teased for being short. You get teased for wearing glasses. And I wore glasses back then, and they broke, and they were. I had them fixed with tape, so I was mm-hmm. like the ultra nerd back then. I got teased for that too. And uh, you, you know, kids are going to te- tease kids for anything, whatever you have that makes you look stand out a little differently. Different, yeah. And if you and if I'd had if I'd have been super confident confident back then, I would have laughed with them, like, yeah, aren't these awesome? Yeah. You know. <laughs> You know, bring this one too, whatever. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but when you're, you know, it's so insecure that, you know, that's how that happened, you know. And when I was so worried in the early days of my business, I was so worried I was going to lose my house, is falling behind my mortgage, my car. And I was worried, like, why am I, mm-hmm. and I got to the point, like, why am I so worried about losing my house? You know, I'm like, I definitely didn't want to lose my house, but like afraid of being homeless, I, I felt like, well, probably wouldn't be homeless. Mm-hmm. I have friends, I could sleep on somebody's couch. I have family, I could sleep on somebody's couch. Or even if I was homeless, it didn't feel like I was that scared of it. Like, what am I so afraid of? Why was I so afraid to lose my house? And one of the big breakthroughs in the early days in my business that helped me get to the $100,000 mark in my business was finally I realized that I wasn't afraid to lose my house. I was afraid to feel the shame that I felt when I was a kid. I was afraid that if I lost my house, people would, I felt by having a house, especially I bought a house when I was young, I felt that made me feel like, oh, look at me, I'm successful. Now I have these fruity smelling Mm -hmm. markers, AKA my own house. Look, friends, I'm successful. And so I would lose the fruity smelling markers. I'd lose the house. I wouldn't be cool. And then by losing the house, now people would look down at me like I had the bell-bottom jeans in the 80s and I'd be ashamed. And so I realized that all of our fears are fears of feelings. Mm -hmm. We're not afraid of the circumstance. We're afraid of the feelings that circumstance might elicit in us. And so when I finally let go of the shame and the fear of feeling the shame and the fear and the desire to have people see me as successful, once I let that go then I was free to not have to worry about making money for have the house. I was like, okay, if I lose the house, I lose the car, so what? I'm gonna keep doing what I love. I'm gonna keep doing the work that I think makes a difference in the world. And I'm gonna figure this thing out. I'm gonna do whatever it takes, you know? But instead of trying to keep up appearances and pretense, it was just like, you know, if I lose the house, I lose the house, it doesn't matter, you know? Then I'll be homeless, maybe I'll be homeless. And I had this whole thing in my mind that if I'm homeless, I'll just roam the streets and. Maybe people will take me in and I'll coach them and change their life that way. You know, who knows, right? I'll be the homeless coach, change people's lives that way. I don't know. So if you are enjoying interviews so far, make sure to follow me on other social media. You will find me on YouTube and Facebook as Million Mori Warrior Family, on Instagram as Smillion Mori and on LinkedIn and Twitter as Smillian Mori, S-M-I-L-J-A-N. M-O-R-I. How important is uh, personal development for every business owner? It's Sometimes, you know, we check this person. I don't need the personal development, but you are very passionate about it. I think a little bit more than the business part of the coaching. Well, you know, one great strategy can be huge for your business, right? Okay. Knowing the right things to do. But if you know all the right things to do, but you feel insecure, indecisive, mm-hmm. and lack of confidence and... Mm-hmm. worry and stress and all those things that get in the way, if all that's going on, you can have, you know, you can give everybody all the right strategies in the world. Yeah. If they are they a mess execute, inside, yeah. they're not going to take action. And even if they take action, they might not get great results from it. Yeah. But on the other hand, you could take somebody with no good strategies and amazing mindset, amazing um, belief systems, confidence, peace, centeredness, right? And either they can just go buy a program, right? Buy one of my programs and get that strategy or, or learn it or read it or figure it out, right? Or they can just 
even through the sheer will of man, of manifesting and just being in a clean mm -hmm. space, attract the things into your life. I don't, a lot of people don't know the story about Eckhart Tolle. I think uh, I would it would be great for him to tell the story more. Mm -hmm. But he was basically he just felt so in tune with his intuition. His intuition said to move to North America. He moved to North America. His intuition said to write a book, so he wrote a book. And as he was finishing up his book before he got it published or got any money for it or whatever, he was running out of money. So his intuition said to go to this gas station and then buy a lottery ticket. And he did, and he won. And he won enough money to get him through for another couple more months and until uh, his book was published and he got money from it. So miracles can happen when you are clear and you're aligned and you're in tune with your intuition. I believe over 90% of the success is inner work and wow. less than 10 is the specifics, the how-tos. And, mm -hmm. and that's some of the stuff I teach in my programs too, is you know, especially in Abundance Unleashed. I think everybody, I hope everybody gets that book and reads it mm -hmm. because I teach a lot of my personal growth, my personal growth um, techniques mm -hmm. to break through all those fears and doubts and limiting beliefs that were holding me back. And it's crazy to be like, you know, have success in certain areas of my life, mm -hmm. or certain areas of my business. You know, I was doing multi, you know, million dollar launches, and having success, you know, getting high paying clients, but I just was not making money with live events. And I would see other people who like all they were doing was having success with live events, live. but they weren't doing anything on the internet. They weren't having success with, with launches or getting high in clients or whatever. But I'm like, oh, I just want that one piece to be, you know, figured out. And it took me many years of working on myself, but eventually most things you can resolve, especially with the techniques I use now, most things you can resolve in a matter of minutes. Mm -hmm. Some things have taken me many months, but but back then, yeah, I mean, it took me years to work through all the stuff about making mm -hmm. offers from stage, and now that I, now I do, and, and I don't think I think of it as a, you know, as invitations. I'm making an invitation. You mm -hmm. know, some of you guys are going to decide to join me, and some of you aren't. That's okay. I don't take it personally. I used to take it personally. I used yeah. to feel like I could make an offer on a webinar, but I, in live in front of a group of people, I was like, oh my god, yeah. you know. I was, but yeah, personal growth is huge. I, huge. I think um, I definitely, anytime I notice anything, an insecurity or any anxiousness about something, I'm, I start working on it, start healing it and letting it go and mm -hmm. uh, so I can regain my full power and make the biggest impact that I can make in the world. You mentioned your parents divorced. Yeah. What did you learn from this event? Something for your life, your relationship with your kids? Well, I... Was it painful for you? It was painful for me, yeah. And part of it was I felt guilty. Mm. And a lot of kids feel guilty like it's their fault, but I felt it, maybe, I don't know if I felt it more or less, but my mom had asked me if, when I was nine if, if she should get a divorce. And I said yes, because I just I didn't know what a divorce even meant at nine years old. And so I just thought it was going to solve the problem of my dad getting upset, you know, and mm. them fighting all the time. Mm. And then the day my dad had to move out, and then he got upset and he cried. It was like one of the only times I'd ever seen him cry in my life. And when he cried, it made me cry. All of a sudden, my dad, who was this, you know, tough guy who seemed to be the bad guy in the house, not to say whether he was or wasn't, but all of a sudden I saw that like, oh, wait, he gets hurt too. And this is affecting him. I remember I went like, I don't know if it was that day or the next day, but I, I just was laying in bed. I was like crying for most of the day. And then my mom was getting mad at me for crying. And she was asking me why I was crying. And I'm like, I don't even know why I'm crying. And then she was getting mad that I was crying because ultimately it was making her uncomfortable because she probably felt bad for who knows, you know, all whatever. Right. But I also felt like because my parents argued about money a lot. I felt like, oh, you know, if we just had money, it would solve all the problems. Mm. 
And then as I got more money, I realized money doesn't solve all your problems. You know, you can still have relationship problems, you know. You can, and, I, and I realized that, wow, if my parents had money, in fact, you know, way more poor after, we got, after they got divorced, but they fought about money or, you know, even while they had a decent amount of money together. But I felt, you know, I just felt like, oh, they're, they're fighting about money and if we had money, that would solve the problems. Now I realized that money solves a lot of problems and mm-hmm. money is a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun having lots of money than mm-hmm. not having lots. But if you want to have a great relationship, it's not about the money. It's about being able to take responsibility for the things you, when your buttons get pushed. Things in life are going to push your buttons. People in life are going to push your buttons. The people you love the most are going to push your buttons the most. And if you blame them for your upset, you made me feel this way. You did this and you made me feel this. When you don't take responsibility for your feelings and you make it someone else's fault, sure, maybe they did something that wasn't cool, right? But it's me that's upset and I had to work on myself and I know that I can get to peace about anything. I believe there isn't a situation in this world that could happen in the past, in the present, or a worry about the future that you can't let go of and get mm-hmm. to peace. I believe we can get to peace about anything. And so I take responsibility for my stuff. You know, sometimes I still blame my wife. I get upset. I'm like, God oh, damn you for, you know, yeah. whatever. Like, ah, you shouldn't have done this or you should have yeah. done that or whatever. But ultimately, I take responsibility for it. I'll come around. You know, my wife the same way. She might blame mm-hmm. me originally, you know, at first, and then she'll come around and we work through and we heal each other and we love each other. And that keeps the relationship fresh and strong. So one of the things I learned from my parents is that money isn't going to solve everything, but, you know, the inner work is Can really the, that's where The advice is. would you give to the kids that their parents divorced? First, it's not your fault, you mm-hmm. know. Parents aren't perfect. Even, I mean, I learned so much, right? I have so much personal growth. And you got to remember, your kids were raised by, your parents were raised by parents that were probably not as evolved as they are. And they were raised by parents that were probably not as evolved as they were. And eventually, you know, we were all raised by cave parents who were completely stressed out because they didn't have grocery store nearby. They didn't have a microwave. They didn't have you know, running water or electricity. And it was probably crazy stressful to try to have a baby that's crying that might attract a predator. And you're, the parent wasn't thinking, how do I raise an emotionally healthy, mature, happy mm-hmm. adult? The parent was thinking, how do I keep us alive? How do I make sure we survive? You know, maybe I have to knock this baby out so that it stops crying so it doesn't attract wolves, Right. That's the smart thing is to child abuse, beat your kid. Like, who knows, right? And the stress of everything, right? In that situation. So we've been, we're all raised by cave ancestors mm-hmm. and parents are doing the best they can. And even as, you know, as evolved as I maybe am or maybe not be, maybe I'm not. But when I only had my first two daughters before our third child was born, my two girls, two oldest girls, we were swimming in the pool and we were cuddling and we were just in the best cuddle. And my oldest daughter, Nala, she started to swim away. And I was like, Nala, come back here. Come back in our cuddle. I wanted to get, keep the cuddle going. And then I was like, well, at least I still have my Nala, my Zoe, which is my second daughter. And I went to give her a cuddle. And then she pushed me away. And she started swimming away because she saw that while I had her, while I had Zoe, I was chasing Nala. Nala was getting the attention and the love for running away. Hmm. And so she started swimming away. And she was like, no, Daddy, you don't have your Zoe. You don't have your Zoe because she wanted me to chase after her. And... So in that moment, mm-hmm. I realized she made meaning that you get loved by being chased. You get loved by pushing people away. And we make all these kinds of crazy wow. assumptions yeah. as human beings growing up. It's not our parents' fault that we get screwed up, you know? 
no matter how hard they yeah. try, they're trying the best they can. But generally speaking, you're being raised, most people are being raised by parents that are more evolved than the parents that they mm -hmm. had. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, you might say, oh, well, my grandparents, they're so loving. Well, they don't have to raise yeah. you night and day. They have, they're older, they have more wisdom, whatever. And certainly you can skip a generation where maybe your parents were addicts or something. Your parents weren't as good as the parents that they had. But generally speaking, as evolution goes by, most of us have better parents than the parents that we had. And we're doing the best we can. And you know what? Love your parents. Mm. You know, love them for whatever they did, even horrible things that they may or may not have done. You can forgive them. You can love them. You don't necessarily have to have them in your life you know, if they're not in a good place. But I love my parents, you know, and grateful for mm. everything that I learned from them, both intentionally that they taught me and unintentionally, right? As a role model or as a warning, right? They taught me a lot. I'm grateful for all of it. And yeah. uh, biggest key is to be grateful. Be grateful mm -hmm. for your parents. Be grateful for what you have. The richest person in the world isn't the person with the most money, it's the person with the most gratitude. Wow. I have one last question, which I call power message. Yeah. Just pretend you only have five seconds to live. Yeah. What message would you send? What would you say My to your My five second message is love yourself, no matter how you are right now, you deserve love. You don't have to be perfect to get love and love everybody else. And that would make your life beautiful and make the world beautiful. Is this the same message that you would give to your daughters? Yeah. Yeah. Let yourself love yourself more and more. And the more you love yourself, the more other people will love you and the more love we'll have in the world. The more love there is, the better the world's going to be. The more peace yeah. there'll be, the more prosperity there'll be, the less conflict there's going to be. Thank you, Christian. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm happy to have you. So love yourself and you will live in the better world. This was Warrior Family. Smilian Mori. See you in the next show. Bye. Resources from this interview are available online. Visit www.warriorfamily.com and download the free book Lessons from Millionaires with all the resources mentioned in the interview. If you want to be a warrior who has it all, visit www.warriorfamily.com and download my ebooks for free. Learn all about warrior productivity, habits, mindset, marketing, and sales strategies confidence boosters and many other things. I promise that you won't be disappointed. More valuable content is waiting for you on my social media profiles. Instagram, Smilion Mori, YouTube and Facebook, Smilion Mori, Warrior Family, Twitter, Smilian Mori, and LinkedIn, Smilian Mori.